0: Well, we continue to work our way through the book of 1 Corinthians. Um, the the church in Corinth is becoming our friends. We're learning a lot about them. We're going to learn a little bit uh, more about them today as we venture into chapter 4. So if you have a Bible or have a device that you want to follow along in, you can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter chapter 4 we were talking a little bit last week about how paul is still kind of driving home this point that he started in in week 1 he he shared in week 1 that there's these factions that are growing in the church that there's people who are walking one way people who are walking another way people that have a different opinion than 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 the other part of the church good thing that never happens today you know um but uh he he's still he's still on it um, as we turn to to first corinthians chapter four um and, and i'll I'll give you a little bit of a spoiler. This is kind of the conclusion of uh this opening argument that he makes, and yet we're going to see remnants of this as we go go on through the whole book uh but this is kind of the closing um the closing scene of of him making this argument uh and so today we're going to read uh starting in verse one um and we're going to read through i believe it's ch- uh, verse uh 16 yes so first corinthians chapter 4 verses 1 through 16 and the wind likes to blow the pages of my book so uh i'll just fight with that but uh, would, out of respect for the reading of God's word, would you uh, please stand as we read um, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. Reading from the Common English Bible this morning. So a person should think about us this way, as servants of Christ and messengers of God's secrets. In this kind of situation, what is expected of a manager is that they prove to be faithful. I couldn't care less if I'm judged by you or by any human court. I don't even judge myself. I'm not aware of anything against me, but that doesn't make me innocent because the Lord is the one who judges me. So don't judge anything before the right time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring things that are hidden in the dark to light, and he will make people's motivations public. Then there will be recognition for each person from God. Brothers and sisters, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit. I've done this so that you can learn what it means not to go beyond what has been written. And so none of you will become arrogant by supporting one of us against the other who says that you are better than anyone else. What do you have that you didn't receive? And if you received it, then why are you bragging as if you didn't receive it? You've been filled already. You've become rich already. You rule like kings without us. I wish you did rule so we could be kings with you. (laughs) I suppose that God has shown that we apostles are at the end of the line. We are like prisoners sentenced to death because we have become a spectacle in the world, both to angels and to humans. We are fools for Christ, but you are wise through Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are honored, but we are dishonored. Up to this very moment, we are hungry, thirsty, wearing rags, abused, and homeless. We work hard with our own hands. When we are insulted, we respond with a blessing. When we are harassed, we put up with it. When our reputation is attacked, we are encouraging. We have become the scum of the earth, the waste that runs off everything up to the present time. I'm not writing these things to make you ashamed, but to warn you. Since you are my loved children, you may have 10,000 mentors in Christ, but you don't have many fathers. I gave birth to you in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So I encourage you to follow my example. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. Please be seated. All right, and so we're continuing. We're continuing on the same argument as we go along. We're we're gonna we're gonna continue to offer just quick recaps of previous weeks. Uh, A little plug for our online presence. We do have our our sermons uh, for this whole series on the internet, so you can find it on our YouTube channel or our SoundCloud account. If you miss a week. And want to catch up, they are there. But since we're still moving through the same argument, still offering a corrective for those who are following these faction groups, um, it was first introduced in in chapter one. Uh, and it's chapter one. Paul speaks about how crazy. After introducing these rival groups, he talks about the craziness, the craziness of following a crucified Messiah. Messiah, in their mind, was going to do something. Revolutionary was going to restore Israel, take us back to the good old days again. Um, and yet Paul says this is, the, this is the Messiah that we followed, the one that, that was crucified. Chapter 2, we talked about the wisdom of man versus the wisdom of God and how it's unlocked by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God comes in and, and we're able to discern, we're able to to think like God thinks and to employ the wisdom of God that he offers. Chapter 3, the church, he said that, that we, the we becomes the temple of God. It's in our unity. It's in our togetherness. It's as we gather together and have one mind that the dwelling of God descends upon us and that God inhabits the praises of his people. We belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. And then we come to chapter 4, which we just read. Now, the, the nature of this Greek Hellenistic culture that we find in, in Corinth was 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 prevalent here. The, the, they were used to teachers. They were used to Greek philosophers who would present an idea, who would say, this, this is how the world works. This is our view of the world. And, and people would think, hmm. That's pretty intelligent. I, I, that 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 person seems pretty smart. I'm going to follow after that person. Find a teacher and follow that teacher. The gospel is different. The gospel is different for the teachers who come and present the gospel. The people who, for Paul and for Apollos and Cephas and all these these factions that had formed in the church. They're different. Their message is not their own. The preachers teach what Christ taught. The preachers of Christ that we follow are, are called in this passage servants and messengers. Did you hear those two words in the passage? Servants and messengers. In the opening verses the Greek words here are and I don't, I don't do Greek really well. I have to like ask people that are smarter than me uh, but hyper, uh, hyper hyperitas there it is hyperitas and oikonomos servants and managers, one who handles the affairs or the household of another person. That's how Paul describes all these faction groups. That, that it, like Not like the Greek followers who would think of something really smart, make a school, and then he would have students or what would actually be called disciples who would follow that Greek philosopher. That's not the gospel way. And so Paul is retraining the church at Corinth, saying, saying things are different with the gospel. The gospel is Christ's message, and we're just servants. We're just managers, one who handles the, 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 the message of Christ with such care. And Paul says, treat us like managers of God's truth. This is God's truth. This is God's message. You don't follow me. You don't follow Apollos. We're not like the followers, the the philosophers that you're used to following. We don't own this. This isn't our message. And Paul says, I have one job. I have one goal in my presentation of the gospel. And he uses one word to describe his responsibility, his goal, faithfulness, faithfulness, that as we are servants and and managers of the message of Christ, what God has called us to is faithfulness. Now, in, in verse 4, uh, or, or in chapter 4, he, he gives us the, a very good glimpse, of, at least a faction of the group uh, of the church that is, is kind of done with Paul. He really makes this case. They're, they're kind of over Paul. They're post-Paul in some way. Uh, they've kind of figured out they've, maybe they've moved beyond what Paul had to say. Uh, and Paul, <laughs> Paul doesn't have any of it. He's not interested in their judgment. Uh, He he, he boldly says, I don't care what you think of me. (laughs) You're not the the judge that I'm listening to. You're not the one who gets to pronounce whether I'm successful or not. And it's tied back to his role. He's already declared what his role is. He is the servant of Christ a manager of God's message to God's people. God is the one who sent him. He is the one who is serving Christ, and so God is the one who gets to judge. If we're stewards of the message of God, if we bear the message of Christ, and our goal is faithfulness, then God gets to serve as our evaluator. God gets to be the one who says, well done good and faithful servant God is the one who gets to offer corrective and the work of the apostle the work of the messenger the work of Paul and Apollos and Cephas and Trent and you is faithfulness and that's what we're called to as we share the message of Christ um and, and as we hit verse four, I, I just have to pause for for a moment. I, I'm not a Paul says this. I'm not aware of anything against me, but that doesn't make me innocent. Um, I've had to learn this lesson over the course of my life. Um, I I would say that I'm I'm still learning it. Um, but I had a I had a friend in my life who consistently. Almost, almost annoyingly, said this phrase to me over and over again. And this is what she said: "She said this, you know what, Trent? Our impact trumps our intent.' <laughs> Say that again: Our impact trumps our intent. Uh, I, I've I've run into to some trouble in my life." Um, and sometimes it, it's even trouble at home. Um, sometimes I I do something that's a little thoughtless or a little selfish or or, or something that that didn't take into account uh, what the whole family was was needing and and needed my presence and and at that moment I, I say something like this is how it goes, you know I I can tell that. That I have made a mistake, and and I say something like, "Well, that's not what I meant. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't mean I didn't mean to be selfish. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. I didn't mean to cause strife for the family. And uh, that's no excuse. <laughs> that's no excuse because um, sometimes in our lives, we don't intend to make a mistake. We don't intend to hurt somebody. And yet we do. And guess what? We're still responsible. We're still responsible in that moment to own it. We're still responsible in that moment. Um, Just because I didn't mean to doesn't absolve us of the action that we took. Um, I, I think that that sometimes i need to be reminded of that sometimes our our culture is in that in that mode of well i didn't mean to offend you i didn't mean to hurt you i didn't mean to injure you or or to have that effect upon you and we say that in a way that that is almost like so i shouldn't be held responsible for that um and i and i think that that Paul in 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 this letter talks to us about how we can we can own those moments and we can step into those moments in a humble fashion, asking for forgiveness and saying, um, certainly I didn't mean to, as part of that statement and something that you can say. But at the same time, you need to say, but I still did what I did and I still affected you this way. Um, and you can ask for forgiveness. Um, I, I I think about this whole um, race conversation that we're having in this country, uh, in these moments, and I think it pertains to that sometimes too. Um, uh, I am a privileged individual. Um, you look at all the <laughs> all the majority roles in in our culture today, and I fit every one of them. Uh, I'm a white guy, I'm a, I'm a male, um, I, I'm a homeowner, I uh, have all these privileges and all these advantages in my life, and, and sometimes in the majority culture we say, well, I didn't, I didn't participate in this, I didn't mean to in any way, and yet I think the course of love invites us to a place of humility. I think the course of love that Jesus calls us to invites us to a place of humility, where we say, "Certainly, it was never my intent," and yet I have benefited from all sorts uh, of advantages in my life. Um, and, and Paul gives us this this interesting picture of of the way that he says, "You know what? I'm not I'm not aware of a lot you know, of anything against me." He says. But that doesn't make me innocent. I think sometimes it's okay to say, um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't mean to. I didn't, I didn't mean to participate in ways that, that, uh, that have given me advantage. And yet I certainly have taken them for granted. Uh, and we can participate in this conversation where we begin to reconcile, where we begin to show the love of Christ. And I think that's what the body of Christ is called to. Amen. I think I think we're called to be reconcilers. I think we should be the bridge. I think we should be the ones to step out into that conversation and say, teach me. Tell me I don't have it all figured out. I'm not innocent. Teach me and make me more, help me understand to a greater degree. Uh, that's kind of a side note, but I think it's so important. And I think Paul gives us a great example of how to navigate those ideas and those conversations. So Paul has really linked together his fate with Apollos' fate in this whole thing. He's talking to them as they were talking about himself and about Apollos in, in similar ways, for they were both teachers. They, they both came with the message of Christ. They were both servants of Christ and, and managers of the gospel of Christ, and they're connected, and they're together. Verse 6 and following, he says, here we see the, the church church, Factions, again, labeling this as, as just arrogant. And Paul gets really sarcastic. I don't know if you can hear sarcasm in the Bible. But if you read this letter and begin to understand his, and I really hope communion doesn't fly off the table. I know some of you are watching that table going, I hope that doesn't come up and hit him. Um, but if it does, we'll we'll navigate those waters. Um, I guess it won't be water for me. Um, <clears throat> But Paul gets really sarcastic in this letter. He's talking to the people of Corinth and 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 saying these things. Um, and and I think sometimes we read that we we kind of certainly the the text of of the Bible is very holy and sacred, and yet you also have to understand that that Paul is trying to make a point here. Uh, and as he's talking to the Corinthians, he he says he he begins to to uh, kind of puff up the the corinthian church a little bit and and talk about how um you know who who says you're better who what what look at all these things you have received already you you rule like kings without us So you understand Paul is is like the founder of this church. Uh, uh, The Apostle Paul, they're talking to the guy that was walking on the road to Damascus. A a light shone down on him. He lost his eyesight. He had to have his eyesight restored. This is who's writing this letter. And and he's puffing up the Corinthian church like, well, you know, you you guys are kings already and ruling already. Um, and, And he begins to... Um, put himself in a lower position than this Corinthian church. Um, several writers depicted this whole section uh, to the spectacle of the uh, the arena. Okay, and so as you as you think back to to uh, New Testament times, uh, and I hadn't I hadn't thought of this ever before in this section of of scripture, but kind of with this sarcasm, he puts the the Corinthian church in the box of royalty. Right. They rule like kings. Uh, I wish we could r- rule. I wish you were ruling like kings, he says, um, and, and presiding over the arena that, that Paul and Apollos have become the spectacles. You remember the Roman Colosseum? You remember what they did with those at the end of the line? They put them in the middle to be laughed at and mocked at. And Paul puts himself there. And Apollos, he puts Apollos there too. And he puts in the royal box the one who was honored, the Corinthian church. (laughs) <laughs> presiding over the arena and and for the apostles who come teaching the word of god he puts them in the middle of the arena he says this we were fools for christ but you were wise through christ we were weak we're the weak ones in the middle you are the strong the ones that are exalted we are dishonored you are honored uh, and there's there's several places in Scripture where Paul recounts all that he has to go through, right? And here's, this is a shorter one, but he says, I'm hungry, I'm, I'm thirsty, wearing rags, abused, homeless, insulted, harassed. My reputation is attacked. He calls himself scum. He calls himself waste. This is what all their wise thoughts brought them to. This is what it meant to, to, to say, you know what, I, I found this teacher and I'm going to follow and, and I'm going I'm to figure out this thing of faith and follow this teacher through these days. They had departed from the message of the gospel of Christ. And he writes in verse 14, he says, I'm not writing to you to make you feel ashamed but to warn you. And you get this sense in in Paul's message that, that this is a man who cares deeply for this church. He wants them on the right path. He wants them understanding the gospel that Jesus brought. In verse 15, he says, you may have many mentors, people who have taught you along the journey, right? People who have invested in you. And he says, that's fine. But you only have one father. There's only one message. And we have to remember that as the church. We have to remember that there is only one source for our faith. Your faith was given birth by Jesus Christ through the message of the gospel. And he ends it with verse 16. So follow my example. follow my example that's what paul ends this message with be like me what did he just say about himself i'm a fool i'm weak i'm dishonored <laughs> you're the wise one you're the strong one you're the. i'm hungry i'm thirsty i'm homeless i'm abused and he ends live like me <laughs> come join the party It's a lot of fun Come be hungry with me. Come be thirsty. Wear rags with me. Have no home like me. Paul says, follow my example. And I just hear, I mean, this was a letter (laughs) that was delivered to the church, and I can imagine it being read for the first time. (laughs) Somebody has to read this out loud. It's like, He says we should be like him. (laughs) What do you think, church? Um, I want to stay in the box seats, Paul. I want to be in the royalty box. I had a friend this week who wrote these lines. He said this. um, The gospel of Jesus Christ comforts the afflicted. Praise the Lord that the gospel of Jesus Christ comforts the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable. Oh, oh, that's a little harder. The gospel of Jesus Christ comforts the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable. If my reading of the gospel as a comfortable person does not afflict me in the slightest, I am reading it and preaching it wrong. I am reading and preaching it wrong. Paul's invitation at the end of this kind of sarcastic piece of of uh, of argument about how the gospel is different than they had perceived and different how they had 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 been teaching it. He says this: Follow my example. Be like me. And I can imagine the church as they were reading, maybe a little seriously, the first time they read through it. We're like royalty, and and he wishes that we were kings, so so we could we could change, we could turn this corner. Uh, following the way, following the way of Jesus Christ in this day and age, uh, early first century was not popular. Was not easy. Was not legal. And he says, "Be like me." Come join me in the thirsty and the hungry and the abused homeless ranks.